Welcome to Process to Profitability, a podcast all about the tools and strategies you need to serve your clients and grow your small business, hosted by me, Samantha Mabe of Lemon in the Sea. Join me as I chat with creative entrepreneurs and small business owners about how they built and grew their businesses and how you can do the same in a way that fits you. Let's get started. You're listening to episode 91 of Process to Profitability. Today, I'm talking about accounting, bookkeeping, and a client appreciation with Nadia Anderson. We cover a lot of topics in this show, including the differences between accounting, bookkeeping, and financial planning, and the types of systems you should have in place as a business owner for your finances. We also talk about getting ready for tax season with quarterly taxes and deductions and how all of that works. And then we talk about client appreciation and how Nadia has used that to build both of her businesses and really create relationships that are ongoing so that she can continue to work with clients and vendors and team members that she loves. Nadia Anderson is the owner of Virginia Grace, an event management company that creates stress-free celebration memories for its clients. She is a certified public accountant and a chartered global management accountant with 20 years experience. In her accounting practice, she supports creative business owners and nonprofit organizations with her unique blend of creativity and business aptitude and experience. She enjoys sharing information and giving practical advice for entrepreneurs to be successful. You can follow her on Instagram and Facebook at Nadia the CPA and at Virginia Grace Events. Hi, Nadia. Thanks for joining me. Hi, thanks for having me. So I read your bio at the top of the show, but can you tell us a little bit more about who you are, where you're from, and how you got started in business? Yeah, so I'm a Richmond native, and um, my claim to fame is that I basically lived in the same zip code my entire life. <laughs> so about a year or so ago, I went to the University of Virginia and got an undergraduate and a master's degree in accounting and worked um, in various capacities like in that field, uh, starting in public accounting. And then I went to work with one of my clients and made a shift to begin to focus on nonprofits. Uh, So most of my professional experience um, in the work world for others has been related to accounting, but um, I've always had uh, a heart for service and um, for bringing people together and um, always found a reason to celebrate. So I was always the friend who was introducing new people to each other, bringing people together. And so that kind of spun into, I started planning events for my friends. So if somebody was getting married, they would ask me for help. Or if they were having a baby shower, then I was a part of, um, I guess the team of folks that would put that together, or I might help my friend's moms um, and that sort of thing. And so, some things shifted in my full-time work as an accountant, which caused me to leave my full-time job and start an event planning company. Um, That was about three years ago. And um, I say that I'm still a reluctant accountant. I had a handful of people that I was still working with. And um, I tried to only be an event planner and not be an accountant anymore, but people weren't letting me slide. And so now I find myself 
in this position where I'm running two companies that are different. So one is focused on accounting, where I'm a CPA in private practice and I help entrepreneurs just understand their numbers and get things together. Um, and then I also have Virginia Grace, which is an event management company where I help my clients plan stress-free celebrations. And that could be providing services related to planning their events, also designing their events, or just direction and coordination. So showing up to just help make sure things run smoothly on that day. All right. So you've got a lot going on. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm still trying to find the balance between the two things. I think it's kind of nice that I think the schedules sort of complement one another in a sense that people are focused on their accounting, like business owners are focused on their business and wanting to do things differently for the new year, like now. So I would say December through March, early April, uh, really focused on accounting and helping new clients. But then event season is basically April to October. There's definitely things that happen later, like holiday celebrations and things at the end of the year. But those two things kind of go nicely with each other. Mm -hmm. Okay, so we're going to cover a lot of topics today, since you have lots of expertise. And Part of the reason that I wanted to talk about accounting is this episode is going to come out sometime in February or March as people are getting ready to do all of that tax stuff and hopefully have done some of it already. So we're going to talk about that and then we're going to talk about client appreciation and how you do that in both of your businesses because you are in a unique position that you've got two very different businesses, but you're always serving clients. So my first question on the accounting and financial side is how can we stay on top of our finances so that we aren't rushing to prepare for tax season? Yeah. So uh, a lot of what I share with my clients is that tax season is now and now means whenever it is that we're talking like tax season. <laughs> it's not contained to a particular time of the year. And I try to encourage my clients to think through uh, tax preparation as a process rather than an event. So if it's a process, like you're continuously like in the process and moving through the process rather than racing towards a particular date. Uh, specifically, like as it relates to entrepreneurs and folks who are business owners, like tax preparation is a part of the story and it's a piece of the pie, but it's not the whole pie. Uh, a lot of my, I guess, early career was spent working in managerial accounting, which um, has more to do with how you manage your business and making decisions. And if you're waiting until the end of the year to accumulate information, you're not really able to make the best decisions because things have already happened. Mm -hmm. um, so if you're thinking of it as a process and checking in with things throughout the year, you have a much better ability to impact not only what your tax liability is, but just decisions that will impact your business. And in many cases for my clients, like your livelihood and the things that you're able to do. So I think staying on top of it is just thinking of it that way and knowing and building into your schedule, like checkpoints to know like financially what's going on with your business and in your life. Okay. Do you have like recommended times people check in with their business financially more than once a year? So absolutely. I think as a business owner, like no less frequently than monthly, you should be doing some sort of check-in. And there are steps that I advise my clients to take on a daily, weekly, monthly, quarterly, and then annual basis. But as a business owner, 
no less than monthly should you know like how much came in, how much went out, like things you want to do differently. I would say as an individual, so if you're not a business owner, um, then at least quarterly, like looking at what your earnings are, like things that you might be planning to spend um, within the coming year, like those are good checkpoints or I guess minimum checkpoints or times to check in. Yeah. And that makes a lot of sense because we need to know our finances as business owners, especially in order to know how many clients we need or if we can buy a new laptop or whatever it is, like that's all on us. And so knowing our numbers is really helpful with that. Absolutely. So can you explain the difference between accounting, bookkeeping, and financial planning and sort of how each of those gets into business and what, like why they're important. Yeah. So I'll give you some technical definitions and then also just some practical ways to think about things. The technical definition of accounting is the theory and system of setting up, maintaining, and auditing the financial records of a company. Also the art of analyzing the financial position and operating results of a business. That is the definition of accounting. Um, an accountant is a person whose profession it is to inspect those financial records or audit those accounts. So when I think about accounting and an accountant, I think about data analysis. So like taking the numbers and understanding like what they mean, that's what an accountant will do. As opposed to a bookkeeper, um, that is a person that does the work of keeping account books or systematic records of money transactions. So if I think of an accountant as data analysis, then I think of a bookkeeper as data entry. Mm -hmm. Bookkeeper is putting the records together for the accountant to then interpret and understand them. If I think about financial planning, the way that I use that term or understand that term is looking at your financial picture holistically and um, thinking forward to the future. So that could be if you're an entrepreneur and a business owner, it could be within your business budgeting and understanding like, like how many clients you're looking to serve or things that you want to purchase throughout the year. But as an individual, uh, thinking beyond just this year, thinking five years out, 10 years out, even towards retirement. So when I think of financial planning, um, as a CPA, there's definitely things that I speak with my clients about and ideas and concepts that I can work through with them for personal financial planning. But really there is um, someone else whose job it is to do some of that modeling for the future and a person who is authorized and has the training to sell certain products. So um, while I advise my clients a little bit about personal financial planning, I usually refer them to someone else that is truly a financial planner who can help them with um, if there's insurance products they need or like stocks and bonds and looking at those kinds of things and someone who is able to set up those types of accounts. That's not something that um, a CPA or an accountant would necessarily do. So it, as business owners, are these, you said a financial planner is a different person, but if you wanted to work with an accountant or a bookkeeper, can they do both? Are those two different people as well? How does that kind of work? Yeah, so it, it depends on the individual. So I am a certified public accountant, which just means that I have to answer to the state where I live. Like there was a test that I had to take and there are classes that I have to take every year to make sure that I'm aware of 
just generally accounting practices across the nation, but specifically within my state. So I'm a bit of a generalist. Um, that's what a certified public accountant is. Within my accounting practice, I provide bookkeeping services. So some of that work might be work that I'm doing, or I have a few people that I work with as contractors that are doing some of that bookkeeping work for me, but that's unique to my practice. There might be someone who only has a bookkeeping firm, and so they're able to help you with inputting the records uh, and capturing like whatever the financial information is, but then you have to pass that along to someone else who can serve as your accountant or CPA. So it kind of just depends on the individual and what their skill set is and what their comfort level is and just what services they want to provide and offer. Right. So I want to talk about systems that creative entrepreneurs and business owners should have in place when it comes to bookkeeping and taxes. And maybe this is hiring somebody or maybe it's something they're doing on their own. I'd love to get what you recommend for people so that they can keep on top of this. Yeah, so I'll say this or share this with you as well. So we've talked about accountants and bookkeepers and financial advisors, but I like to encourage entrepreneurs to have what I just referred to as a dream team, like top five like relationships that you need to have as a business owner. And these might be people not that you're necessarily meeting with every day or every month, but that you have relationships so that if there's changes that are happening or things that you need to know, like there's somebody in your corner who will keep you abreast of those things. So definitely an accountant is on that team. A financial advisor is on that dream team. Um, I think you need a lawyer as well. Um, because some of the things that we talk about, the lines are a little bit blurry or people don't understand. Like they ask questions that are related to accounting and taxes, but really it's a legal determination. Mm -hmm. um, so having a lawyer on the team is great. I also think you need a banker <laughs> just so that you're aware of like programs that banks might have in place or if you need financing for anything. Um, and I'd also say an insurance provider. So in terms of like relationships that you should have as a creative entrepreneur, I would just point those out. And then in terms of systems, which is the question that you asked, <laughs> There's definitely um, different record keeping systems that you can put in place. I encourage people to adopt a system that will work for them. So I'm not gonna tell you to do something um, or purchase some fancy pants like accounting software if you're not gonna use it and you don't understand it. Like it's perfectly fine to keep paper records or to have a spreadsheet that you've developed. Like if that's what works for you, if you're able to understand it, or to get a financial reporting tool. Um, most of my clients, and honestly, 85% of small business owners in terms of financial reporting, um, use QuickBooks, which is a software that is, I think, easy to use, like easy to customize, sort of just out of the box, like you can buy it and adjust it to your business, but, but there are all sorts of others. And so some people don't like QuickBooks, like it doesn't work for them. Um, so I think just, looking at the systems that, again, are easy for you to understand and that you're able to use and interpret and that you will interact with. So not getting something that feels like too cumbersome or intimidating. And so because of that, you don't keep your financial records because uh, you just don't like the software and it makes you feel bad when you're using it. <laughs> 
So do you recommend that business owners are doing a lot of this themselves or that they hand it over to somebody? This was something like when I first started, I didn't know whether I should hire somebody or if I should figure it out myself. I think that it all depends on like your comfort level and your, I guess, confidence in a particular area. Certainly creative business owners got into business to do the thing or create the thing that they're keen to create, not to learn about accounting, right? So certainly it's something that you might be able to do or inclined to do, but you don't have to do it yourself. There are resources that are available. And another thing, I think um, sometimes people think it's too expensive or I can't afford, like I'm just starting out, I can't afford to hire someone to help me with these things. But I would just challenge to say you can't afford not to set things up properly, especially if we're talking about accounting and keeping aware of what your financial performance is. And then again, preparing for a tax time. Like that's something that there's a government entity like that's watching what you're doing. <laughs> can't afford to do things improperly and then have it come back to bite you later. So if you're a person who has some sort of like, in addition to being creative, and doing whatever your business is doing, if you're someone who is naturally curious and who has analytical like interest in things, then perhaps you might choose to do your own accounting. Or maybe like you took an accounting class like a while ago, so conceptually you understand some of these things, then that's great. But if not, then I would say it's okay. And I would encourage you to find someone who is well-versed in not only just accounting, let me say this too, because I think accountants like can be generalists, but sometimes work with specific types of business owners. So as you're looking to, if you're looking to hire someone, like make sure that they can understand like what your business model is and how you work and what your process is, because all of that informs the accounting and the record keeping. So we can't just go to like any accountant that we find. You want to actually make sure that they understand kind of how your business works and creative businesses are fairly new. So I'm sure that not everybody who's been doing accounting understands that yet. And maybe they do understand like the, I guess the rules and the regulations as it relates to accounting, but they don't necessarily understand you <laughs> and they're not relatable to you. So um, I like to, or I draw the analogy that accountants are like mechanics in a sense that there are some tasks that you can take your car to and anyone can do them, like refilling the windshield wiper fluid. Like that's pretty basic. Any mechanic like, can do that for you. However, like if you drive a Toyota, you might not take your Toyota to the Volvo dealership because there might be something specific like on your Toyota that a Toyota mechanic is keen to understand and work with. Whereas mm -hmm. the Volvo guy knows the Volvos. So yes, like I don't think there's not a lot of, I guess, accounting rules specifically around being a creative entrepreneur, like where, whether your industry is, I don't know, say photography or web design, or um, I have clients that are hairstylists or architects, like they're not necessarily specific rules to those industries, but understanding general practices within those industries and how those things can relate to the tax law might be something that one accountant may be keen to knowing, understanding, working with, whereas someone else is not. Right. And I think that's very similar to, uh, I've interviewed some lawyers where the law is the same, 
but it's kind of applied a little bit differently depending on your business and what's important might be different depending on your type of business. Right. And I mean, in these sorts of relationships too, like you want to work with someone that has experience and that you trust. But I also think because your business is so personal and it's like close to you as a small business owner, you also want to work with someone whose personality like you can get along with and you all can understand each other and communicate in a way that will be beneficial to you and your business. Okay. So can you explain about quarterly taxes, what they are, and what creative business owners need to know about paying them? Your tax liability is um, an annual commitment and an annual liability um, that's calculated. And that's to the federal government, so the IRS, when you file your income taxes, as well as to the state government. And then in some places, there are local income or other types of taxes that need to be paid. Um, but that's, um, I guess, at the federal and state level, it's an annual commitment. But quarterly taxes, if you don't pay the full amount of what your annual commitment is, there's penalties and interests that apply. And so quarterly filing allows you to, again, like check in with your business on a regular basis and sort of break down what that annual requirement is. It makes it more manageable in terms of how much money is coming out of your pocket, but then also administratively you're tracking what you're building up to over this year by keeping track of it quarterly. So there's not a penalty if you choose not to file quarterly or submit quarterly estimated tax payments. But if you get to the end of the year, you haven't looked at anything, you didn't compute anything quarterly, now you have this big tax liability that you're unable to pay. Um, and so then there's penalty and interest that applies. So I encourage people, again, so that they're able to make decisions about their business to check in um, regularly and quarterly and to go ahead and file those estimated tax reports and send uh, an estimated payment so that it's not such a big liability and burden at the end okay. of the day. And so that you're aware of what, like how you're tracking and how you're performing and what the total will be. Okay, so it's kind of like you're making payments ahead of time on what you're going to owe at the end of the year so that you don't have that really big bill that sometimes surprises us. Correct. We start making a whole lot more money than we're used to. Right. And it shouldn't be a surprise. Like you, you should know what you're making, right? Part of what it takes to run a successful online business is having the right tools for the job. I'm sharing a list of all of the tools I use in my business in my toolbox. And you can find that at lemonandthesea.com slash my-toolbox to download it now. These include tools that I use for podcasting, designing, running my business, and other things. So you can get a real inside look at everything that I use every day in order to serve my clients well and grow my business. Again, you can find that at lemonandthesea.com slash my-toolbox. Talking about just taxes in general, can you give us an overview of how business deductions work and how we know what we can deduct when we're looking at our taxes and at our bookkeeping? Like, how do we figure out what we should be keeping track of? Yes. One thing about me, I'm always going to point you to the source. So like the things that I'm sharing are not things that I made up or what I believe. Like, this is coming from the IRS, specifically IRS Publication 535. If you want to and you want to go research it, like you can just go to irs.gov, 
And then there's a search bar that comes up on the side and you can look for publication 535. That talks all about business expense. But the IRS defines business expenses as those that are ordinary and necessary to running your business. Um, what does that mean? Well, ordinary is something that is common or accepted within your industry and necessary is one that is helpful and appropriate for your business. Um, it doesn't have to be indispensable to be considered necessary. So meaning it's not something that you can't live without necessarily. And so those are very general terms, right? Ordinary and necessary. What does that mean? Um, it really just depends on industry practices and standards. So there's not like categories of expenses that are automatically disallowable or that you cannot deduct. It really just depends on what your business is and whether or not something is commonly accepted as a practice within your industry and whether or not it's necessary for you to do your job. Okay. And I know some things we know they should be deductions. Like I need to have a software to build websites on. That's part of my business. But I think a couple of the things that throw people off are the meals. Yeah. If we can deduct meals and clothing. Those are the two questions I always hear. Here's a little plug. Um, if you visit my website after this, I have um, a download. It's free. It's um, the top five deductions that you might be missing, and it speaks to that meals, <laughs> and it speaks to uniform um, specifically. So um, you can download that on NadiaAndersonCPA.com. If you go to um, the products page is where you'll find it, and it's free. But to talk about those things specifically, um, in terms of uniform or clothing, it has to be something that your employer re requires that they don't reimburse you for. And I'm saying employer, if you're the business owner, then you're the employer and you decide <laughs> this is something that you need to wear. Um, but it also has to be something that you can't wear every day or that it wouldn't be your ordinary like clothing. So for me, as an example, as a wedding planner, I have one dress that I wear to weddings and I don't wear it to church. I don't wear it to the grocery store. I don't wear it on a date. I wear it for weddings. Um, so I've deducted the cost of that dress, but then also the cost to maintain that dress. Whenever I take it to the cleaners, like that's a business expense because I'm only using it for work. Um, the same thing might be true, like for, let's say, a photographer who maybe has a particular pair of shoes that they shoot in. Now, if you wear these shoes, again, like on a date or to visit your kid at school, like that's not what we're talking about. We're talking about stuff that is specific like, to your business. You wear it. Um, to perform your work um, and not like it's not suitable for ordinary or everyday usage. So those are the times that you're able to deduct um, your clothing and anything to maintain like that clothing. So if you have to get it laundered or cleaned or repaired, that is something you can deduct as a business expense. Meals is a little bit tricky. Um, and some of the rules around meals have uh, change, but I guess trying to draw a line of distinction, I think whether or not it's deductible um, kind of depends on where the meal is consumed and what the purpose was. So if you are like meeting with a new client or trying to, I guess, convince someone to become a new client or meeting with your staff to talk about things, um, you can deduct the cost of those meals that are consumed like outside of your office, outside of the workplace, you can deduct that up to 50%. So if 
Samantha, you and I meet to have coffee to talk about what we're going to talk about in the next podcast. Like we can deduct 50% of that cup of coffee. However, if I am in the operation of my business, like I have an office and I have an office party where I'm going to serve coffee, like it's holiday time right now, have a holiday party, you serve coffee, then that coffee is 100% deductible. If you are traveling for your business, and so we live in Virginia, if we go to, I don't know, Washington, D.C., if I'm going there to scout out a venue, I couldn't necessarily like pack my lunch, right, or pack my dinner because it's too far away. So if you're traveling for business, then 100% of those meals are deductible. So again, I think the difference or I guess a distinction that I try to make is where the meals consume because um, that helps to determine whether or not it's 50% or 100% deductible. That makes a lot of sense. And it reminds me of when I worked in an office, like the lunch I brought every day would not be deductible because I bring lunch. That's part of my routine. But when we have a party and the business is paying for it, that would be deductible because that's something special. It's outside the norm. It's for business purposes. Yep. All right. So let's talk about client appreciation. And I want to ask how client appreciation in your business has benefited you. I think we all like to be appreciated. <laughs> um, a phrase that I say a lot is I'd rather be appreciated than tolerated. <laughs> so I think for me in my business, just making people or letting people know that things that I'm able to do like in my life are because of them. <laughs> and I appreciate that. Like, my clients are who afford me the opportunity to, I don't know, travel and see new parts of the world and to spend time with my family when I need to do that. And so I appreciate that our relationship allows me to do those things. And so I like to share that with people. And there's various ways that I do that. I actually got a, um, a note today, an email from someone that works at a venue and I went to tour the venue and like sampled some food. But um, then when I got back, I just wrote them a thank you note for showing me around, for being kind. And um, they sent me an email today that was like, I have it on my bulletin board. So when people walk by, like they can see it. Like, that's so nice. Like nobody sends snail mail anymore. So I think anything that you do like to appreciate people that stands out, like it makes people feel good. It connects them to you more and makes them want to work with you more, want to refer you more. I guess those are the ways that it has benefited me in my business. Okay. So you mentioned this a little bit, but how is, or why is client appreciation and focusing on serving our clients well, which is a big topic that we talk about on this podcast, such a great way to grow our business, both with our clients and other relationships that we're creating in business? So, I mean, I think I work in a service-based industry. So whether it's um, the accounting side of the business or the event management side of the business, like I'm serving people. And so treating them well is inherent in the service that I provide. So on my website, like you can go visit the website and it'll tell you like, these are the things that I'm going to do. And so when a client hires you to do that thing, like there's the expectation that you will, because that's what you said that you would do. 
and they are paying you money. Like there's a contract in place, mm -hmm. right? I'm going to pay you money and then you're going to do this thing for me. So that is like baseline what you have to do, what you should be doing, because that's what you've agreed to in exchange for whatever payment the client um, is giving you. But then it's like those special touches and those added, added benefits and then going I guess above what the expectation is and serving them in a manner that makes them feel again appreciated um respected just makes them feel good is what then leads to them telling someone else i find myself in a peculiar situation at the moment maybe it's not that peculiar but the cpa side of my business or like that brand is one that i don't speak about Meaning I'm not advertising anywhere. I'm not really telling people I'm an accountant. Um, all of that work gets done for me by my clients. They just keep telling people like <laughs> maybe there's concepts that they didn't understand before that I'm able to explain to them. And then they tell a friend and then that friend is like, oh, well, I want to talk to her. <laughs> so I think serving people well as a service provider is what then serves you well. Like that's mm -hmm. what your business like growing I feel like I have a little army of people who are out like recruiting new clients for me again just because I treated them well yeah and it sounds like you do a very similar thing with like other vendors in your wedding industry is that you show them appreciation too yeah because I recognize that I don't know people have choices right like you can choose like there are other people who provide the same service that I provide and I appreciate that people chose me like I feel special and so I like to make other people feel special and that's what I guess draws people like back to you okay so I'd love to know maybe not in depth but like how do you show appreciation for your clients before during and after you work with them is that something that's like just built into your system? Are you sending gifts? Kind of what do you do to build that into what you're doing? I would say to this point, it has been pretty random. Like it's not uh, standardized, but that is a goal of mine for 2019 is to um, begin to standardize that. So certainly like verbally, I tell people all the time that I appreciate them. Um, and I have been like, because over the years, like if I'm out and I see something that I think is nice, like I just buy gifts and I have them. And then when there's an opportunity, um, I will put together a little package and give it to clients. I do that for friends too. That's just something that I do. But lately, I'm going to say probably um, within the last six months, like I've written out a plan of when and how I want to give gifts to my clients. And so um, I've been working with a few um, local businesses, women-owned businesses, minority-owned businesses, because those are all like my business profile. So I've been working with some folks to develop some specific appreciation gifts that I intend to, I guess, have a better schedule in terms of what I'm giving and when I'm giving it out. Um, but another thing that I do is, and I just did this like last week, I had a client appreciation event. So this is a party, right? And I did it intentionally this time. I did it on Giving Tuesday. 
which if you're not familiar is, um, you know, there's Black Friday, there's Small Business Saturday, there's Cyber Monday, and then there's Giving Tuesday, which is focused on um, raising money really for nonprofits and allowing people to, while they're holiday shopping, like to remember folks that are less fortunate and like give to nonprofits. But I had a client appreciation event that day because I wanted to give to my clients. And I was like, oh, this could be a good anchor. Like, thank you for being here and supporting me. And let's just come out and have a good time. So that's something that I've done probably the last, this is the second year um, where it was an event that was specifically client appreciation. And that's something that I'm looking to continue to do in the future. Awesome. And I love that you said that at the beginning, especially like you didn't have a set way that you did things. You kind of just found what worked for you and your clients. And I think we feel like we have to have a process or this really elaborate gift to give people in order to make it worth it. And what you're saying is that's not the case. You're building businesses based on, you know, people referring you and your clients sharing what you've done. And it, it didn't start out with like this big thing that you were doing. Yeah. And also I feel like it is more or has been for me more sincere when it's a smaller thing. Like it's not like check the box. You know what I mean? Like even mm -hmm. You put a system in place and you say, okay, 30 days after your wedding, I'm going to send you a thing. Like you still have to personalize it and make it feel like it's personal, <laughs> like that it matters, you know? So I feel like because I didn't have really a system in place, I said, I feel like it allowed it to feel much more sincere and personal because it was. And do you continue to follow up with clients after you're finished working with them and kind of just checking in and reminding them of your time together or do you kind of let that fade off when you're done with an event? So I um, certainly like congratulate people on the anniversary of what their thing was. So whether it was a birthday party or your wedding, like I know when your anniversary is. So <laughs> I out to them then. And I also just keep in touch and let them know what else I'm doing. So something that I discovered, um, again, I had this client appreciation event uh, last week, and I'm going to look to do it again in the spring. Because what I realized is that I always tell people, like, I have an event management company, um, and this is what I do to create great experiences. But I recognize if you never worked with me or I hadn't planned anything for you, you have no idea, like, what that means <laughs> or how it feels. Um, and so I'm going to do it again in the spring and sort of broaden like the picture of not just my clients, but my people who might be potential clients. Um, but I'm saying that to say like when I'm doing events for other people, I do then send to my clients something that says, hey, um, I'm working on this event at this place or like your event was here. Now I'm doing this thing or your event really prepared me to now go to this venue. I just kind of when it's related, just share with them what else I have going on. Okay. So you're just kind of continuing that relationship in a way that is natural. It doesn't feel like you're just checking the box of, okay, I have to email you every six months to check in, but you're just kind of doing it as it comes up. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Can you give us three action steps that listeners can take to implement some of the things that we've discussed today? I know there were a lot of topics. So just things that they could take away and start to make some changes in their business. 
So I guess the first thing that I would point to is to say, build your dream team. And so again, when I was talking about dream team, I was talking about the professionals that are outside of your business that can help you just to navigate like entrepreneurship and knowing like, cause you don't know what you don't know, but if you know people who know some things, then they will share things with you. So I think I would encourage people just to build relationships with professionals that are outside of their business so that they can get more information and understanding of things that they may or may not um, be focused on. Um, I do think a very practical step that you can take is to set aside, like as an entrepreneur, is to set aside time to look at your finances. And so I like alliteration. Um, so I will tell my clients, you should have money Mondays and on money Monday, like you're looking at your receipts and you're seeing what you spent, or maybe it's financial Friday, like whatever it is, that is a cute thing that will make you like do it. <laughs> Just schedule time, like with yourself again, as an entrepreneur, no less frequently than monthly to just take a look at how your business is performing, how many clients do you have, how much money has come in, how much are you looking to spend, how much have you already spent, um, taking time to look at those things and scheduling that time on your calendar can be really important. And then I would say another like practical tip or step is just to consider like what are the ways in which you can interact with your clients or maybe even with your team, like we didn't talk a lot about like who else works with us and supports us, whether those are employees or independent contractors, um, but looking at those relationships um, as well as the relationships with the clients to consider where are some ways that you can show people that you appreciate them? Like how might you be able to do that? And it might not be a big thing, like you said, of every six months, I'm gonna send you some big package. It could just be, Maybe you haven't talked to them in a while. Maybe you want to take them out to lunch, like see what's going on with them. That could be a way that you catch up. So just consider like ways that you can show um, your clients and your team, like how you appreciate them. All right. Awesome. So we're going to wrap up uh, with some questions that we ask everybody. And the first one we've already talked about a little bit, but I'd love if you could give an example of how serving your clients well has benefited your business. And this can be either one of your businesses. So I think, I guess the first thing that is top of mind is that, like I said, I will check in with folks or share with them what else I'm doing and things that I become aware of that might relate to them or that might be helpful to them. And specifically, there's one family um, that comes to mind. And for this family, like we have a long-term relationship. So before Virginia Grace was even a thing, I helped to direct their wedding. And then since then, like they have now three children, but the first child I helped plan the baby shower. And then the mom turned 40. And so I planned her 40th birthday party. And then the dad got a master's degree. And so then we planned the party for that. How it has benefited me is just keeping in touch with them and letting them know, like, here's something else I'm going on. Here's this cool new restaurant I found. Like, here's a thing you guys might like. And it keeps us in touch. Like, again, not regularly, sort of randomly, but then it keeps me in their mind when they're looking to do something else. So that has been a long-term thing in a way that like 
serving them well at the particular event, but then also keeping in touch with them and circling back has been beneficial to me, not only because of the repeat events that I've been able to do for them, but they have introduced me to other folks that I've done work for too. So yeah, I love that you've built that long-term relationship where you're getting to kind of see the big events in their life. Yeah. It's kind of special to be invited like into those moments. So yeah, it's great. Okay. So tell me two things that you're loving right now. They can be business or life. Okay. So November was a really good month for me. I journal not as frequently as I used to, but I've been like writing a piece about November. And what I loved about November was that uh, I was really busy with both businesses in terms of like onboarding new clients. But then also I had three events that were pretty major, but I loved like the fact that I was able to balance those things. And I took two personal trips in November. So it's like all of the things coming together and like living the life that I've designed. So I love that there's like balance between the two businesses And I guess something else that I'll point to is because of the travel that I was doing, I was able to read more books. Um, And there's a book that I'm reading right now that's called Essentialism. I'm bad at knowing who authors are. I usually take pictures of the front page of the book so that I can remember (laughs) people to tell them. Um, But yeah, Essentialism is a book that I'm loving right now because it's talking about, it's the pursuit of doing less. So it's not about like doing more but it's how to do like the things that are essential and go further with those things. Um, So yeah, those are two things that I am loving currently. Awesome. Uh, And what are you excited for that's coming up in the future? Um, My birthday is in January. And um, because I just had this client appreciation event and put those other two events to bed, I'm looking forward to planning some travel for my birthday in January and I need to lock things down because it's December already. (laughs) That sounds like it'll be fun though. And you're taking advantage of the work that you've done so you can take some time off and enjoy it. Yeah, that's the plan. Okay. And my last question is where can people find you online? So um, there's two websites. So Nadia Anderson, CPA.com is where you find me for CPA stuff. VA Grace Events is .com is where you find me for events. Um, I'm also on Instagram. Uh, my Instagram is Nadia the CPA. My first name is N-A-D-I-A. So Nadia the CPA or VA Grace Events. That's my Instagram handle as well. So that's where you can find me. All right. Um, And I will link to all of that in the show notes, as well as to the top five deductions that you had talked about. So people can check all of that out. Yeah, um, that's a really good uh, resource for folks. And of course, if anybody has any questions or wants to take stuff further on my CPA website, you just set up like a 15 minute phone call. Anybody can do that. It's free. Ask questions. If there's stuff you're concerned about. Okay. Well, thank you so much for coming on and sharing all of this information and talking about your businesses and uh, just giving us a peek into what it is that you're doing. Thanks for having me on the show. It was fun. Thanks for listening to Process to Profitability. Please take a minute to leave an honest review in iTunes so that I can help more small business owners and creative entrepreneurs find the show.